Welcome, one and all, to episode two of the FCFC Book Club that is For Christ, For the Culture. This is a book club where we, as Christian Blurds, read and discuss from Black authors, particularly in sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and etc. I am so glad to after such a long absence, which primarily falls on me. Um, so for those who listened to episode one, I apologize of, for the gap that falls on me as producer and for someone who slacked a bit in reading this episode's book. <laughs> so that's my bad. But uh, I am really glad to be able to do this episode too. And without further ado, I want to introduce you all to those joining me for this episode's panel. Introducing first, because ladies go first, Alicia Bagley. Hey, y'all. I'm really excited to discuss this book. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and last, but definitely not least, uh, my man 100 grand, Roosevelt Cooper. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Looking forward to getting into this book. Yes, indeed. So um, this book that uh, this episode is on is the Book of Phoenix. And I'm going to butcher this sister's name because I've never heard it um, IRL. So I'm just going to pronounce it the best way I know how. And that is, uh, its author is Gendi Okorafor. If that is right, Yes, if it's wrong, someone please correct me um, with some grace and dignity, please. Thank you. Um, I actually think you, you got pretty close to the... It's kind of close? Okay. To the, to the correct pronunciation. Oh, oh, that makes me feel good, even if you're just <laughs> making me feel good. <laughs> um, so before we go start talking about this book... Um, are there any other uh, books uh, or series that you, and that doesn't have to be a black author, anything that you're reading interesting um, that you're really enjoying right now? Yeah, I'm rereading The Wheel of Time, so I'm enjoying that. Because I, um, nice. I, read, I read almost all of it. I got to the, um, I got to the first book that um, Brendan Sanderson did in the series. Um, but I never finished the series. So now I'm finally finishing the series. So I basically said, well, you know what? I might as well just go back to the beginning and start from scratch. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I am on book number four right now. Um, okay. Actually, no, book number five right now. So I'm on, so. That is one of my favorite book series. It's so good. Oh yeah, it's fa it's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm reading a few things right now actually. Um, I'm kind of trudging through the end of the Dune series. Um, the later books, like after, like book four, it starts to get real, real convoluted. Like story, yeah. Like it just, it just. Like the story jumps like thousands of years. 
<laughs> and you're just like, I don't know any of these people. Why do I care about them? Um, but, you know, Frank Herbert does a fairly decent job of, of you know, crafting new characters. But I think some of the magic that, that's part of, of the first book and, and the second book um, and somewhat the third book is kind of lost um, in, in the time jumps and, and like losing those characters that you love so much, which is, you know, like only natural. They're not going to be around for seven books, <laughs> um, not in the way that he wrote it anyway. Um, and I also um, just finished um, N.K. Jemisin's um, Broken Earth trilogy, which nice. I think is probably like the best sci-fi trilogy I've ever read. It is. Oh wow! It is life changing. It is. It is. It is so good. <laughs> Cannot recommend it highly enough. I, I'm. I'm very late to the party, um, because she's won like a ton of awards for this trilogy. Um, and my brother actually gifted it to me for Christmas. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Good looking out, John. Wherever you are. <laughs> Better be listening uh, to this, John. <laughs> he will he's a supporter he's a supporter awesome. um uh he's also a teacher in chicago so um i know he's always like on the lookout for um good book reviews to give his kids although i don't think that this one would be a good one for he he teaches middle school i'm not sure that this would be a a good middle school book there's yeah, a lot of this one's a bit yeah, a there's a lot of heaviness. Yeah, <laughs> some heavy stuff going on there. Yeah, well, those are two. Those are both great um, options that you're doing there. Uh, and I have to admit, because um, book nerds really get on me, I have not read Wheel of Time at all, um, and I have not read Dune, despite the fact that I bought it maybe two years ago now, and I still haven't read it. Um, but I have read the fifth season. Um, which nice. I was introduced to it. Um, I was talking to Coop uh, off air that uh, as a part of the now defunct Love That Nerd book club, uh, we read fifth season four for that. And that was my introduction to N.K. Jemison. And I did not, I did not do any homework on her or the book before reading it. So okay. I did not, I did not know she was black. So when we oh, were wow. so when we, yeah so when we were talking about it and i was like look like like this like i was like some of these things that are going on in this story like like this is i'm like this is a black woman's pain here like this is this is pain that black people go through like this is really like um really impactful for me like yeah and, and insightful and like well the author is black i'm like oh okay well, that, that makes a whole lot more sense on why um, I'm, I'm getting these vibes because I'm like, because like there, there's a lot of like, wow, there's a lot of black pain in this book. Yeah. I'm not expecting that out of our sci-fi. So, um, and I, and when we did fifth season, we, we did two episodes of it. So we read it in two parts. So okay. I, I had not finished the book um, after that first recording so i initially because of growing up in sci-fi unfortunately right. um i naturally i naturally um you know 
imagine most characters as white because that's just what they generally are in between writing and visual. So it's part of the internalized racism that we all have to unlearn. It's one of those things. Exactly. That facts. Yeah, exactly. It was just what we're so used to. So then I, when I learned that, so then I read the second half of the book completely different and I'm imagining these characters in a completely different light and imagine them looking a lot differently because of the realization of, okay, this is a black author who's relating real life black pain into this story. And that really completely changed uh, the book for me. It was, it was good already to begin with, but then that really just, you know, flipped everything on its head for me and just really made it a much more insightful um, book than I even realized it was going to be. So uh, those are great options that you two uh, are reading. I, um, because of the aforementioned Love Thy Nerd uh, book club, I had read the first book of the Murderbot Diaries, um, All Systems Red, and I really enjoyed it. So I finished the rest of the series, uh, which were just really enjoyable reads, and they're short. So if anyone likes uh, a good short novel, the uh, Murderbot Diaries series by Martha Wells is very enjoyable. After I that, down now. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's it's really enjoyable. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I've read. And because I was trying to get myself back in the reading mood, I also recently read um, Star Trek novel, uh, Enterprise by Vonda McIntyre. Um, I read Annihilation by Jeff Vander Vander something. Um, that was supposed to be the final episode of LTN Book Club, but not happening. But I read it anyway. Um, obviously, I read Book of Phoenix for this. And today, I finished Red Noise by John P. Murphy which was a, a very fun space, uh, female-led, female character-led space, kind of a Gangs of New York type of uh, story. Ooh. Yeah. What is it called? Red Noise? Red Noise. Uh, um, since, you, since you use, um, I, have, I have the EPUB version, so if, since you especially, particularly said use iBooks, um, I can send it to y'all. I can share it with y'all. Um, yeah, I, I that would be awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Red Noise. It was it was really fun. I I wanted to read it just because the cover looked dope because it said Red Noise and it had <laughs> and it had a katana going through um, some of the letters. I'm like that looks dope. That Sick. might be a fun read, and it ended up being an enjoyable read. So uh, that's what I've been reading of late. I love when that happens, like when you're drawn to a book because of the art, and it actually turns out to be a good book. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. It's usually like a 50-50 for me. Either it's really good or... Or it's really like, yeah, or you pick up a man. This thing is trash. <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I looking at like, this Like, wow, trash? you had a really good illustrator. <laughs> right, half your sales must, because, must have been because it's good illustrator because this rest exactly. of everything is terrible. Um, there well, was I, one I, book that I, I read. I think it was called Tolstoy in the Purple Chair. And I remember like reading the title and like in the purple chair. I've never heard. I know Harold in the yeah. purple crayon, but uh... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, very different than Harold in the purple crayon. Um, it's a, it's about this woman's like journey through grief. But like honestly, I I as you can tell by my sentiments about the Dune the Dune series, I'm still like trudging my way through it, even though it's not 
been enjoyable for a while I'm like determined to finish it and I'm usually like determined to finish books but this one was so bad I couldn't even I couldn't even get through half of it I had oh, to put it down no nah, I trust me I, I started trudging and I don't know why I did this because I must be a glutton for self-punishment but I started reading <laughs> the song of ice and fire again today oh my goodness yeah well you know a song of ice and fire the first book is great the second book um kind of gets like you get bogged down with like new people and like new regions and like there's a lot of exposition and um not a whole lot of like forward movement in the story and then the third book gets like you get down to the nitty-gritty like the good stuff um but I it's so hard to to get into those books now because like as much as I would love to reread them I know that there is like there's an end <laughs> there's an end but not an end right and I think George R. R. Martin is gonna is gonna die before yeah, then that man is that man is not gonna finish it he's, he's making not. too much money with prequels and sequels <laughs> uh, yeah. and he, like they're gonna do this sequel this Jon Snow sequel on HBO and I'm like would you sit your old self down to finish these books? <laughs> like, I, you know, if if it wasn't admitting to uh, you know, to planning a crime, I'd be like, look, look, we have to grab him and sit him down and make him write these books because <laughs> I don't want to see nothing else from him until these books are done. Facts. And I mean, there's like two more books at least to at go. Least. Yeah. At least, at least, bare minimum. Help, help us out here. George R. R. Martin. If you, if someone sends this to you, please, the people, please. people yes. are please <laughs> from the from George from the deepest depths of our blurred hearts. We beseech you to sit in front of your old computer, your DOS computer that you write on, and please finish a Song of Ice and Fire, and obviously do a better job than Benahoff and whatever his, his other partner's name is. Yes, yes, yeah, white, because they destroyed the beautiful work that you did. Yes. Completely the, obliterated. The, the, the showrunners that wanted to stop doing your show so they could do a freaking What If the South Had One show for HBO that, thank God, got canceled. And oh, never... it wasn't just that either. It was it was um, the Star Wars trilogy. They were supposed to yeah. do the, the newest Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, well, thank God they didn't touch Star Wars either. <laughs> they didn't because Disney fired them after, after the eighth season of Game of It would have been, been worse. That? What we got was bad yeah. enough. It would have been worse had they had they done it, you know. Because they would have been leaving they would have been leaving Starbucks mugs and and water bottles and <laughs> shots and uh, you can they tell really you, just gave up. The last two yeah, seasons you, you they were tell, like, okay, we're done. They clearly did not care anymore. Like yeah, was, well, you know what? Okay, here's the tea. So I have a friend who worked wardrobe on Game of Thrones. Ooh. And yeah, so she's got she's got a little bit of the inside scoop, or at least this is the word on the set. Um, and I mean, it it matches up. The timeline matches up. So quickly, very quickly. Um, uh, so basically, um, it's it's a little bit of fault on both sides. So George R. R. Martin, upon you know starting this project with HBO and DB Weiss and David Benhoff, said to them before you run out of source material, I will have a manuscript for you for Winds of Winter. Mm. And they were like, okay, great, super great, awesome, wonderful, let's start filming. So they start filming. George R. R. Martin doesn't like the way that they're kind of eliminating a lot of the magical elements, um, some characters that are important, 
um, you know, just, you know, a bunch of stuff that's getting eliminated. They're making decisions that are not necessarily in the best interest of the story in the long run, mm-hmm. but, you know, streamline like, the story in the yeah, short term. Streamlining by eliminating 99% of Dorn, but yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, which is just like such a huge conflict towards the end of the story. Um, and like, it kind of feels like an afterthought in a lot of it. Absolutely. Um, but and also like the whole idea of Valeria and old Valeria and like the prince that was promised, like all of that lore kind of was like there's 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 no over. point. There's no point in leading to R plus L equals J when you pay off at the end that way. Right. I mean there's there, no, there, there no were a lot of things the... that were left by the wayside. Like from from season one, there were a lot of things that were left by the wayside that mm. kind of just snowballed into season eight not making any sense yeah um but george rr martin was saying this like from the beginning up until like season four he was like guys i don't know if i can if i can you know continue to come to these meetings and like contribute my time when you guys aren't taking my input Mm. um so season five he kind of or season five or season six he kind of like pulled back a little bit and was not there for all of the decisions, was not helping them make decisions. So if you, I don't know if you noticed, like the end of season five, half of season six is like really wonky. No, it is because I mean, that, that's, getting, that's the season, that's the last, that's because we don't see Bran for a while. because that was <clears throat> Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. They kind of just let certain characters that people weren't connecting with just, you know, disappear into the ether. Um, and then people were giving feedback that was like, okay, um, what's going on? This is, you know, not doing well. Ratings are dropping and HBO calls George R. R. Martin. They're like, please help. And then we got Battle of the Bastards, which was like one of the greatest TV cinematic moments like ever. Absolutely. It's just excellent it's excellent and i will forever hate the actor who plays ramsey bolton because oh my gosh yeah for he real that that dude that dude is fantastic yeah he's just as typecast as um as jack gleason as joffrey like no one oh will ever goodness, look at yes. them yes yes that's no one will one. ever look at them as a decent person ever because of no, how well I they can't. play those roles at all i can't i can't they they were just too good they were just too good um, which is, is, is a is testament it, is it, to how good they are. Now, now, correct me. Is it just us? Is it just black folk that when we see somebody that acts real ratchet on TV, that we look at them side eye for the rest of their lives? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because they have they 100%. have something they, they have something they're drawing upon. Yes, <laughs> something exactly. inside you has to do that. Like, I don't know if you guys watch The Boys, but the actor that plays oh, yeah. Homelander, oh, when yeah. I watch him on interviews, I'm like, you sound so nice. Like you sound like a lovely human being, but I just can't. I can't get like you're you're too good at this. Yes. I can't get past the evil that you tapped into for this show. Like I know you're not an evil person. You just play one on TV, but man, where did you have to go to get this? <laughs> yeah, to, to be the to be the super powered American Nazi. Like yeah, yeah. There's there's and you know what? I have to admit, I I be side eye and Gary Sinise ever since he played George Wallace in yep. that movie. I be yep. side eye and um. <laughs> Uh, Alan Tudyk, after he played the the racist uh, baseball manager in '42, mm-hmm. and him dropping N words, like, "Man, you dropped the N words really easily." 
Really? Like, like, that, that, that looked like easy. it was a little too natural for you. That looked a little too natural for you. Like, ah. Yeah. Honestly, the person who I always side at is um, Richard T. Jones, um, who played, um, I can't remember the name, but it, it, it was, why did I get married to Tyler Perry? Tyler oh, Perry yeah. With, um, and he was, he played Jill Scott's husband. Yep. Mm-hmm. That scene where she like puts on this nightgown and she goes there and she's like, baby, I put this on for you. Trina, Trina said that you would like it. He's like, Trina played you. You look like a tent. And like, he's just like verbally berating her like with zero regard, like for her feeling. Like I will never look at that man the same again. Mm. Never, never. Never, ever, 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 ever. And you know, I feel like he always kind of gets cast as like, yeah, so as, a, like, as the woman beater type guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's that's true. That's yep. true. All right, we are we're going okay. off the rails. Wait, okay. um, so we're <laughs> gonna start the stop. tea. We're finishing gonna, the tea. Finish the, finish the tea. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. So basically, um, after George R. R. Martin, you know, kind of left, they were like, "Well, if you don't care, we don't care," and they signed a deal with Disney to do the Star Wars trilogy production of which started in like 2016 or they were supposed to be in production in 2016 which is like like I don't know if you guys remember but there was like a huge gap between um season seven and season eight yes it was like two years right so HBO said listen you guys can have as much time and as much money as you want they gave them a blank check they were like as much time and as much money as you want as many seasons as you want to do this properly Hmm. And they said, no, thanks. Um, we don't really like this anymore. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and play with Disney now. And they signed on to Disney. They signed on to a bunch of other projects that they never ended up doing. Why? Because they got fired because they phoned in the last And that is the tea, ladies and gentlemen. And they deserve every single bit of it. Of the they, really do. they really do. And I mean, they, they, sure, they sure let us down. Not give them the manuscript. He they did he did not give them the manuscript but still he gave them like an outline of like where hence the end like the end makes sense the destiny but the destination makes sense the journey does not make sense. makes like, no sense they at made all. zero sense of it i'm not even gonna say the end makes sense um and george himself says his the ending in his books is not the ending that they put on the show so um i'm gonna say none of it made sense the sense could be made the sense could be made. Um, there are some things that I disagree with and I don't think that um, Mr. Martin intended. Um, and they kind of just took creative license with his work that is not finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's And that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm team brand, so the end of the- Oh, you're team brand? With, yeah, so the end was fine with me. <laughs> Um, I feel like when Tyrion Lannister says, who has a better story than Bran? In front of Brienne of Tarth, Sansa <laughs> Stark, Arya Stark. I'm saying everybody's got a better story than Bran. Are you kidding me? Literally everyone. Everybody. All Literally the, all everyone. Especially like the Bran, way that... Especially the way the they took away from him. I'm not, you know, not going to stand for this brand disrespect. 
Right. They 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 took away half of the part of warging that made it cool. Um, all yep. all Brand did was get carted around by Hodor. Like yep. I'm sorry, that's that's and they all got Hodor killed. Yeah, and then Justice look and, and and look and then you know look vacantly into the distance. Like that that's all he did. I mean, nothing against Hempstead, Isaac uh, Hempstead, but his character was boring, and that's not his fault. I think he fault. did the best that he could. Yeah, absolutely, he did. Business. But his character was boring. It was a boring was, character. Yeah. So they really, they really did not give him a lot to work with there. No, they I needed, made, I needed John, so... I needed John Warging, I needed Arya Warging, I needed so much more. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so much more. The anyway. crazy thing for me, though, is that the man who, like, they, they kind of like justify Bran being like aloof because he has all of this knowledge, but like the man who was you know, the three-eyed raven before he was, um, was not like that. No. He seemed like a real human being who was, you know, relatable and could talk to people in a way that did not, you know, put you in 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 the headspace that he needed some help. Like Right. Unless Bran was I just, just practicing to be king and being aloof all this time because he knew everything. I, maybe I don't know, and that was never his character either. Anyway, yeah, that was no, that right was away. that was goofy. Moving along, yeah. we're gonna go off to get off. I'm I'm sorry I brought up the whole George R. R. Martin debacle. That's my fault, y'all. I'm a bad host, <laughs> and that's why I said I shouldn't torture myself by started reading this again. I don't know why I do this to myself. I really don't. But what we're gonna do for y'all is we are going to talk about the book of Phoenix. So. Um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the book and enter into a spoiler zone, um, I'm going to ask my panel to give me their rating um, of this book. I, I'll say one, you know, between one and five, what you rate this book and uh, if you would recommend uh, others to read it. Well, I, it's a five for me. This book was fantastic. I highly recommend um everyone to read this book it's really really good i agree it's a five it's a five man if i could it would be a 10 right <laughs> okay uh, i think i think nettie for something that she does so well is um is first person narration mm, yes like mm -hmm. phoenix's voice throughout this whole story is intense and strong and clear and like purposeful and um just unique like her her take on things is so special like how how she views the world is so special definitely a five for me okay five for both. uh now i feel now i feel a little bit bad but um i'm i'm going to give it a four um i'm going to say 4.5 out of five and that's only because there were certain parts um that felt kind of clunky for me um where i had where i had to go back and i was like hold on i need to reread this because like some some transitions were not as were just weren't weren't very smooth for me so um story-wise that great. is totally fair that is yeah. totally fair yeah because like and if, it, if it wasn't for that uh and I, i'm assuming this because like um because I've read um I've read Bindi by uh by Nettie and it doesn't have that clunky feeling to it. So 
I'm guessing that Book of Phoenix may have been an earlier work. Um, so it might have been, you know, not as polished as a lot of her, you know, more current, newer work. It uh, was an earlier work. It was actually based on an essay that she did. Okay, so that yeah, makes sense. So, um, okay. it was based, it's a prequel to um, a, I guess, short story or, or um, essay that she did called Who Fears Death? Um, and uh, the gentleman and the woman that you are first introduced to in the book, Soon Teal and his wife, um, yes. um, they are um, part of the subject of Who Fears Death. Okay. So then so my observation I don't want to spoil sense. too much. Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. No, that's okay. Um, you We're, can definitely okay. read Who Fears Death. If, if if you enjoyed Book of Phoenix, Who Fears Death will just add more complexity and and clarity and enjoyment to your life. It's it's really good. Right. Okay. So four point five for me because of the the couple clunky parts. But other than that, um, I have to echo all of your other sentiments. Absolutely. And I, I definitely recommend people read it. Um, so from here on point. Uh, from this point forward, this is now a spoiler zone. So if you have not read the Book of Phoenix and you don't want it spoiled for you, I recommend you press pause now, go read the book, and then come back to this point in the episode. So if you keep listening and you get spoiled, that's on you. All right, so let's start with, um, with our main character um, in Phoenix. What are your thoughts on the just the uh, the development and growth of Phoenix throughout this this book? You know, I thought it was so interesting. Um, so in the book, um, for those who have not read it or just for you know explanation's sake, um, uh, Phoenix is a two year old, but looks presents feels um Four. like a 40 year old woman and I thought that it was so interesting that she's kind of learning the world in the same way that a toddler would mm -hmm. um while also navigating it as a person who will be dealt with as a 40 year old woman and I think that she's the only one of her kind um, as far as like um, being accelerated, I believe is how the book describes it. Mm -hmm. um, like all of the other people in Tower 7 or all of the other people that we meet in Tower 7, you know, like remember having childhoods, had families um, and were kind of um, made to be this way, not born this way. Right, right. They they mention um, some other accelerated beings, but she, I believe, is the only one that we meet. Right. Um. Uh. And I think it's it's so special. Um. Like I was saying before, um, how she sees things, like her her take on things, even even her maturity throughout the book. You know. Um how she goes from, you know, this person who's like rebellion, what's that? 
to like let's burn it all to the ground (laughs) (laughs) um and i think that um knowing that this is a black author knowing that the subject of this book is black and um the main character is black and that the the plot of the book really heavily deals with a lot of sexism and racism and like specifically the the relationship between America or the West and the countries in Africa mm-hmm. um that like as a black woman like it felt like understanding that Martin Luther King did not end racism right. you know what I mean like it felt like like I, I was going on this reminiscent journey of my own journey with her. And that was so interesting, um, I guess, to to kind of feel while while reading the book, like relating to her in those different ways. Um, yeah, I think, and I, you know, I think in, in some ways she's a little irrational, like, which is, you know what you would expect of, of a four-year-old <laughs> of a toddler um so I think you know like the fact that she uh like that layer of her character adds so much depth and and, and gravitas and I really love the way that uh, that mystical yeah I thought it was incredible the way she presented that character and it was like it was really you really felt like this was a two this was like a highly intelligent two-year-old in a 40-year-old woman's body like just the way she interacted with the world um even from the even from the very beginning where she didn't even realize that she was being in prison that she thought she was just this was just a normal regular life in the tower um, and then when she be finally become became aware of a situation, how she just wowed out and tore the whole place down. I was like, yes, let's go burn it down. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, there were so many fist pumping moments <laughs> in this book. <laughs> like there was um there was a moment uh at the oh, end before, of the book, and I don't want to get too far ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, ahead. before before you before you get into that moment, um Maybe it's just me, but I kind of felt that um, there was there was definitely growth, and um, we definitely watched her mature um, exponentially uh, throughout, despite her short period of life. And this book pretty much covers through, I think, like a year and a half time frame, roughly, um, as we, as it all goes through with all the different events. Um, but in that time frame, there is this exponential. Um, increasing of of awareness, uh, emotional development, um, social development, um, personal, you know, um, personal purpose, you know, in, you know, seeking out and trying to find out what her purpose in life is, um, you know, uh, friendship, romance, like all this is is you know happening in this very short period of time for for Phoenix. But what I kind of noticed, and maybe it's just me, that there seemed to be like every time she um she died and was and was reborn, um, she seemed to uh be reborn with a almost like a it was her, but like a different version and she seemed to have an exponential increase 
um, in maturity after every time she was reborn. Oh, for sure. For sure. That was definitely something that I noted as well. Um, so I think by the end of the book, like maturity wise, it feels like she's like, you 20. know, mid we should be calling her auntie. Right. Well, I think, I think part of that is like, every time she dies, she dies in this kind of like, horrific, like really traumatizing way. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, it could be an interesting commentary on how trauma forces you to mature. Mm. Because, I mean, I think the, the one, the one moment that I really, that really sticks out to me when, when she, as a moment when she died is, um, I can't remember the character's name, but when she's living in Africa, Mm-hmm. and um you know do- her first love Saeed yeah her first love Saeed you know she believes him to be dead so um she's in Africa and she she befriends this doctor who then she then falls in love with and um they kind of come after her they find her they come after her and um uh his name he, is Kofi yes Kofi um, and you know, like they have such an Kofi interesting and yes, lovely Kofi connection. <laughs> yeah, um, they have this really interesting and lovely connection. And then you know, they find them, and I believe that like they, I don't, I can't remember if they kill him, um, or if she, um, you know, they they shoot him or some in some way, you know, make it so that like he's not gonna. Yeah, he, well, he was wounded. And, well, he no, well, yeah. yeah, he was he was wounded. Um, and he kind of looks at her and he's like, "Do it, babe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because she she put him out of his misery. Um, but yeah, yeah. Man, he he was he was mortally wounded. Yeah, um, and you and just you know, Roosevelt, you mentioning his last name of uh, you know being named after Kofi Annan. Yeah, um, there were so many um, IRL references that made this story very believable that it would be something from, you know, a hundred years from now. Um, right. You know, like it, it, it felt like, okay. I was like, yeah, this is entirely plausible. Um, if there were some alien seeds that were used to, um, you know, increase growth and things, and they would definitely be corporations would be really running countries and they would definitely yeah. be 100%. experimenting on people to try to create, you know, superhuman weapons. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is completely plausible. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going on right now. We all know. About it. I mean, right. they, they've already tried it. I mean, the men, the men who stare at goats. I mean, they've already tried it. Let Let's not act like it hasn't been mm-hmm. right. You know, uh, a thing already. Absolutely. That that was the that part of uh, reality um, made this story a lot. Uh, just a, just a, a lot easier to to identify with um, right. and and grasp to um, talk to me about your thoughts on the it seems like it was very purposeful that uh, that our author made Phoenix not just uh, black but she was uh, a black American who had 
you know, uh, mixes of multiple, uh, in, you know, indigenous to African tribes as well. And they mentioned I, every time, you know, they, they, they would also, and she also mentioned, you know, how they mentioned how American, you know, she was at times. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, I think Saeed makes mention of it. And um, I'm not sh quite sure how to say his name, but Mo? Mo? Yeah, I, 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 I pronounced it. Um, uh, I pronounced Mo? one M. I just said Muo. Um, I don't know. And maybe you may say two, both M's. I don't know. I pretended one M was Muo? silent. Yeah. <laughs> I just said Muo. Um, and I'm guessing Muo. it's Muo. Muo. There we go. We'll call him Muo for the, yeah. for the purposes of, of this podcast. Yes. Um, but he, um, he also says it, you know, like, oh, you're so American. <laughs> or, you know, like, like they make, they make comments of it several times in in the story. And I, and it's funny because I, I don't really, you don't really get an idea of how Phoenix feels about being called American. Like, you know that she does not like America. Like, even, even um, after um, the, the situation with Kofi and being found by the big eye, which is the big corporation that runs and apparently kills everything. Yeah. Um, uh, she refuses to get on the boat. They're like, let's get on a boat back to America. And she's like, there is no way. No way. I'm going to let you put me on a boat from Africa to America. <laughs> yes. And I thought that that was such an interesting, like, line in the sand for her to draw. Like, knowing that um, she as a character has um, so much knowledge because they, they give her this e-reader mm -hmm. and, you know, access to all of the world's collected knowledge. Um, so she fully knows about, you know, the, the existence and the realities of slavery, or at mm -hmm. least the realities that they, you know, that the, the books that she's read right. have told her. Um, and, you know, the trans, the transatlantic slave trade, like she knows all of that. Um, but it's so interesting, especially because she makes note in the beginning of the, of the book that there was only one white woman there. There was only one person who was not of African descent Yeah. in Tower 7. It's so interesting to me that, um, you know, at that point in her, in her life, um, in her short, long, complicated life, um, that that is the line that she draws in the sand. Um, even having, even having been aware of, of the, the history of, of the West and, and Africa. But didn't she figure out, like, the, wasn't there like an approve list and then she figured out a way to get beyond the approve list and read whatever she want? I um, feel like that was a thing. I thought that it was, um, I think, I think that there was a point where they had like restricted her. trying to remember myself and i remember reading that like like wow that's strange because that's very much not how um you know at least literary or um or even real um powers that be who are seeking to control usually operate like i mean in irl um you know 
slaves were not allowed to read the Bible for a long time. Enslaved mm-hmm. people were not allowed to read the Bible for a long time because of all of the subject matter um, uh, that deals with, you know, slaves being freed or with, slaves yeah, revolting. letting my or, people go. And, right, and, exactly, and, and, exactly. And don't, and don't be cruel to the slaves you have. And, right. You know, all these things, all these things that they charges. were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the whole, <clears throat> you know, the, those those slaves and you know because because African slaves have been like hmm well um you know the this this slave of uh, Abraham of Abraham's uh, he was going to make him the heir he was going to get everything uh, how does that supposed to work because <laughs> y'all ain't making me heir or nothing those would have been some some of the questions. They definitely had to limit, you know, what she was reading. Um, and I think, I don't remember if she got around to it or then she started resorting to the paperbacks instead of the e-reader. Yeah, so basically what happens is, like, she starts, um, like, she's going through this transition um, right before Saeed dies. And she makes mention that she never had a chance to tell him but her body starts heating up. Um, and uh, there was one particular moment where she was feeling really intense grief after, after he passed. Um, and she tries to touch her e-reader and it you know, short circuits because of the heat radiating from her body. Right. Um, and also her whatever chip or device they put inside her to, to monitor her. Um, has also, um, you know, malfunctioned and fried itself because of the heat in her body. Um, so, and then they give her they give her um, books so that she won't burn everything, which is very counterintuitive now that I think about it. Because why would you give someone paper? Yeah, if you didn't want afterwards. them to burn stuff. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, unless because especially because she didn't have control, and they weren't they weren't aware of they were aware that she you know that she wasn't controlling anything. So it was like if you know this person isn't in control, why would you give them something that they don't they would have to be in control to keep from burning like. That's just asking for problems like that. Mm-hmm. That just that was a bit nonsensical to to me as well. Like I get you may not be able to get another e-reader, or maybe you'd have to get put some type of you know insulated case or something around it. But to give her paper, that's just saying like, hey, we're just gonna have to come in here all the time and put out fires now. Like that that just doesn't make a lick of sense. Right. Unless the the paper in the future was made of a different um, I mean, type of material. Yeah, it's possible that they may have like laminated it or you know protected the books in some way. But if she's um, hot enough to to short circuit electric circuits, it, she's hot enough to melt any lamination. Yeah, I, and I but my other thought well, with that is that um, well, I think the um, the doctor um, uh, was it Boomy. Um, yes, Boomy. I think Boomy. that 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Boo, boo this woman. Yes, boo, boo me. Boo <laughs> this woman. Um, yeah, Doctor Boo me. I, I, I think there was something that maybe I just didn't, um, that the author put in there that I just didn't grasp, um, because Doctor Boo me is the one who generally you know gave her these things and was the one working with her. So there, there must have been some type of, um ulterior motive or knowledge that Dr. Blumen was trying to gain by giving her paper books. I don't know if it was to, right. to, to test out if, you know, these fire powers or something, you know, that that's happening or, um, but there was definitely some type of, you know, mo- ulterior motive to providing her with that um, either, either the payoff I just missed in, in reading or it may not have been fleshed out. She was an entire ulterior motive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's like she, her. She is a walking ulterior motive. <laughs> um, I will. It, it really struck me. Um, in the book, um, in that moment when she kind of short circuits the the e reader and the scanner in her room is going off and her um her she's fried her chip that has been implanted in her. And um, <clears throat> Dr. Boomy comes in and she's like visibly like scared and confused and like doesn't know what's going on. And they're all kind of like, okay, get on the floor. Like you're not going anywhere. And like, they're treating her like a hostile, even though they know, like they've been studying her. So they know that her body is, you know, undergoing this change where she heats up. Um, and she's not actually moving anywhere. She's just standing there. Right. you know kind of stunned and not sure what's going on and probably visibly scared and dr boomy pulls out a gun and shoots her yeah mm-hmm. and it's like bro what <laughs> <laughs> and and um you know like the bullet you know goes through it's like a, a an in and out clean break like it doesn't lodge itself yeah clean exit her. and sh- i remember she um she makes comment of the fact that Dr. Boomy was like, oh yeah, I intended that. And like, I remember reading that and being like, mm, Dr. Boomy might be full of it. Hmm. And then um, in, you know, subsequently, like while they're testing her, um, I actually highlighted this in my Kindle. So I'm going to read this part. Um, uh, so they they keep telling her you know like she wakes up and she's like feeling the pain of her leg and she's like all oh, I can I can just keep hearing the 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 gunshot ricocheting mm-hmm. and I'm she was you know confused and you know because Dr. Boomy was her friend like it was the person who soothed her and calmed her down and like why would she shoot me she right. um, she and she friend. says <laughs> right she says, I closed my eyes and tried to retreat into myself, but the memory of Boomy's gun firing was still ricocheting in my head. I hadn't been fighting. I wasn't dangerous. I wasn't as dangerous as some of the other specimens became when in some kind of distress. I wasn't doing anything but standing there in confusion, thinking about the fact that I was off the grid, and yet she'd shot me. I couldn't help my legs flexing and twitching whenever the pain hit. My legs ran like a separate part of my body. Relax, Boomy said. Relax? How could I relax? I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was as if my thoughts had become tangible and were bouncing off the walls 
getting faster and faster like a heated atom and like I feel like that to me like I remember the first time I read it I highlighted it because I'm like this is being black and dealing with police facts like I was just standing there like I was just as confused and scared as you were like why did you shoot me I wasn't doing anything I'm not dangerous I'm not armed you know like I'm not as dangerous as other people that you may have dealt with um and I think it was so interesting that Bumi this woman who is African she's from Nigeria yep so like she should have some kind of connection to um you know many of the subjects in in tower seven she chooses that moment to kind of you know force this um this authoritative and and violent and and um i can't think of the word that i want to say but she she enforces this control over her in a way that injures her deeply, like emotionally and physically. And mm-hmm. then she tells her, relax. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I thought that that was, and that was when I started side-eyeing Boomy. Well, yeah, because I mean, like, nah. Boomy, because I mean, she She's clearly best. gaslit her. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Boomy's entire character is like, one big arc of gaslighting hmm. yes and yet but but she's like she's like she's the um she's the philip gerard of gaslighting because she wouldn't stop chasing her down um no matter right. what you know had happened you know um getting pretty much blown up in that helicopter and she comes back with you know metal you know cyborg arm and legs and still chasing her down is like will you wow just give it up right it's like it's clearly ain't working out for you like let it go crazy man she reminds me she she reminds me of um lewis gossett jr's character in roots when he's talking to kunta kente and he's like you know i you know my shack's got palm wood floors and i eats in the in, in the in the big house kitchen and mm-hmm. if i'm sick master lets me you know have a sip of his you know whiskey or whatever like you know and i'm not having that messed up for you because because she was her whole focus you know in working for tower seven was so she could get her american citizenship mm-hmm. you know and we never learned you know and i think phoenix even mentions it like i wonder if she even got ever got her american citizenship probably not yeah, she probably didn't. Yeah, she was good on my last nerve. I was just wanting Phoenix. Oh, she did. Yeah. I was like, the whole book, I was just like, when is she finally going to go down? Like, I just need her to die. And I thought she died in the helicopter. Yeah, I thought she died in the helicopter when the helicopter exploded. And then she came back, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like this. Oh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know how she survived that that helicopter crash. Like, I I don't know if I was watching. Uh, I didn't know if I was reading a version of Suicide Squad since I had so many helicopter crashes that killed nobody. Um, (laughs) generally, helicopter crashes, you dead. Like, yeah. Helicopter crashes are not plane crashes where you can, 
you know, use, you know, you can float or Your glide. Flotation yeah, yeah. Or a flotation device. Or you can glide into some, um, you know, easier landing or you can eject easy. Like that, that's not how choppers work. It doesn't work that way. The physics don't work that way. So the fact that she somehow came up alive with some cybernetic parts, I'm like, bro, this is, this is, this is definitely going sci-fi on me now because this chick will not stop. Right. You know. But it just goes to show you how advanced tech technologically they were, that she could like literally survive a helicopter crash. And, yeah, I feel like they back. like um, they bicentennial manned her. Like mm -hmm. we have the technology, we can rebuild her. Or, or they uh, or they I roboted her because you know she did that uh right. organ donor. <laughs> They're like, well, mm -hmm. we're gonna put this in you now. And that, that you know, you know, yeah, that that's that's a stripe. That's a big possibility. It could have bicentennial mander and say, go back to work now. Go back, you know, find your your you know your responsibility. And part of that was probably part of her obsession was like you know, Phoenix was her her pet project essentially, right? And she, and, and I'm assuming that if her focus was on, you know, in the, the, the citizenship wasn't just a line of crap, like it was really, it was her focus, then right. success in the, this is called the Phoenix Project for lack of a better um, name, would have been tied to the success of that project. Yeah. You know, so she likely would have resorted to, you know, any, you know, by any means necessary to, get Phoenix back into the fold and try to, you know, corral her back into Tower 7's, uh, you know, sphere of influence and control. Right. And but I think that's part of, um, you know, like the insidiousness of her character is you never quite know if what she's saying is actually true. Yep. Uh -huh. Like, because she could just be, you know, telling her a story to comfort her and, and soothe her and lull her back into a false sense of security or, you know, endear Phoenix to her um, so that she can control her. Yep. So who knows if she was actually, you know, seeking citizenship. I mean, it does make sense a little bit. Um, and I think this may have been um, Nettie Okorafor's comments on commentary on crabs in a barrel mm -hmm. because this woman who you know for all intents and purposes you know has her own navigates this world in her own unique way as a black woman as a black woman from africa um you know i'm sure that she you know has dealt with her fair share of racism but just you know and in 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 empathizing with her because of those experiences, um, it's also extra insidious for you to then, you know, team up with the people who are part of your subjugation mm -hmm. and then, you know, extend that subjugation to other people who look like you. But I think, I think, I think from, I think from her standpoint, I think the way she reconciles that is to her, Phoenix and all these, all these people in Tower 7, they're not people. Yeah, that's really messed up. That's really messed up. But yeah, I'm I'm sure you're absolutely correct. They're science experiments, you know. Mm -hmm. 
they're lab rats. Yep. They don't really matter except to, you know, provide the conclusions and the data and, you know, the, the study that will get them what they want, which like, you never really, like, I, it doesn't, they never tell you, you know, what the big eye was actually like searching for. Um, it seemed like they were, you know, just kind of throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks um, in terms of like exploring that, that what they allude to be an alien substance that was um, buried at the bottom of, of that great tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was kind of, you know, I feel like it was like, um, sorry to keep referencing the boys, but no, it was kind of like, um, like the V. Yeah. You know, like they kind of just experiment with different, with different dosages, with, you know, like, what is this capable of? Um, or like... Um, I mean, they definitely had to, like, because even they really don't elaborate how they created her, but it, it to me, it had, it had something to do with the, uh, the backbone tree, mm-hmm. the alien seed. Like, there had to be something that was grown um, probably from that tree that they used to, to feed her that created her into what she is like a thousand percent yeah but i I think to me i think their motives was was pretty simple they was trying to make money and they was using these they was creating these creatures to figure out a way they can make money off of them because if you remember uh, we find out later on i don't know if we want to go to that part yet but we find out later on that there was a profit incentive to some of the things that they were doing oh for sure like um some of the projects make sense but like um it's interesting i guess maybe maybe phoenix was like the search for immortality Uh um because she's able to reincarnate but i don't even think that they knew when they were creating her that this would be a possibility for her like it's it's very um it's it's hard to 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 follow what their intentions are with each individual um project but there are Mm -hmm. definitely um some projects that's like very clear like this is a monetary thing and i'm sure all of them in some way like bottom line is this is to make money um but what's interesting to me is that um like some of some of the um of the specimen as they call them are so incredibly like left field that I was like reading this and like how would you monetize that like how would you translate that into a consumer product like um the guy uh, eating the wood the the guy eating the cement (laughs) yeah his favorite meal was glass like what well I mean she does say um she does say uh in the book that he could he would never go hungry yeah because even if there is a food shortage he can eat things because he he really he couldn't eat food he would he was eating sand and glass and concrete and stuff yeah right um so maybe they were in a really messed up and backwards way trying to solve world hunger 
I don't know. Um, well, he, well, Saeed was a wep was even though he wasn't created, he was essentially a weapon as well. Um, and Buo to a certain extent as well. Um, he was he was definitely weaponized. And they they all seem to me to be to be military assets. Muo, you know, being that he can, you know, walk through walls, um, right? You know, he seems to be a he's a he's an asset for someone who's trying to, you know, steal um, intelligence and such. And um, and, I mean, you gotta send him at night because he's gotta be naked. But because <laughs> in the day, because in the daytime, a naked man walking running around, it's going to be a lot easier to catch. Um, but but at night, you know, you've got a guy who's just and and I think that was really expressed on how many times the author mentions how he how Tower Seven pretty much for the most part gave up on keeping tabs on him oh. because he was just so elusive and he could he could go anywhere he could just sing through the wall walk to the wall or sing through the floor you know and they really couldn't keep tabs on him because he was that elusive so i think he was probably enhanced by them to uh be some type of you know covert military uh asset. right an espionage tool right just like and Saeed I mean was was supposed to be was a weapon himself and and we know Phoenix was uh, supposed to be a weapon, but Phoenix to me was, you know, she just far exceeded anything that they had intended. They didn't right. intend for her to to be able to resurrect. They didn't intend for her to have wings. Like all that stuff was, you know, was a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine like the the militaristic benefits of having someone who looks and walks and talks like a human being, um, a non-threatening human being who won't set off any metal detectors and or, you know, bomb detectors or bomb sniffing dogs. Right. And, you know, can walk into just about any place and just blow stuff up. Mm -hmm. and then walk away <laughs> yep like nothing happened like a reusable bomb yeah yeah a reusable Literally. undetectable that's bomb that's essentially what she, what she is recycling at its finest <laughs> <laughs> reduce reuse recycle <laughs> yikes i mean that that that's a great analogy i can't think of a better one that's essentially what that they created her to be is a, a reusable bomb crazy man i think you know netty for his imagination to have come up with this is like top tier man oh absolutely i mean all of the different people and and their their powers and um even even the negative effects of of their um of their abilities um and how she kind of tied it all together. You know, I, I do agree with you, Matt, when mm -hmm. you say that, like, some of the transitions were a little bit clunky. Like, the alien seed thing, to me, felt like... That felt um, like there was... Yeah, that felt like there was zero payoff to that. Yeah, like, it could have... It could have... Well, um, so, there is... there. I think there's a... It will help you to read Who Fears Death. Okay. Um because there's more 
about that. Okay. Um, and uh, Suntil and his wife kind of um, create a religion around um, a series of texts, one of which being the Book of Phoenix that he starts, you know, reading at the beginning of the story. Right. Um, and there's like, it adds just so much context. And I think because this is a prequel, um, a lot of things in the story feel clunky because um, I read Who Fears Death after I read um, Book of Phoenix. Okay. And it definitely cleared up a lot of um, like not quite dotted I's and cross T's. Gotcha. Um, for me. But the the alien seed thing is still something that I felt like she could have done a better job of like connecting it all. Um, like when 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 she first finds it at the, at the base of the backbone, like it's like okay, okay, and then it kind of ceases to be. Yeah, she she Very takes important. she, she takes yeah she takes it to Africa she buries it and we never hear about it again. Yeah. And so I'm like so like so I'm like well, well why why even mention that if we're not like if if it's not going to come up again, um, right? And, and honestly, it didn't have to have a major payoff. Like I, I shouldn't sound so spoiled. Like, but I wanted something one other mention of it, even if at the end in an epilogue, where right you know it says you know back you know back in in Ghana you know the um, you know, uh, you know, where the seed was planted, something starts to grow. Like they mentioned that everything that was growing near it was grown bigger and better and whatever. But right. if it said just, you know, uh, you know, a, a an alien sprout sprouted in Ghana, um, and just to lead you know to something more in the future is going to come of this tree, like especially because it's a seed like you plant seeds right. for them to grow so like right. something should be growing here and i should just know a little bit more about it it didn't have to be in chapter didn't have to be a paragraph just just a, a couple sentences of future exposition would be nice i i completely agree i think i think she could have connected it a little bit better um yeah i agree I'm, glad I'm not going to say too much because I want you to read Who Fears Death. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you agree because I, you know, I get ragged on for being overcritical. And so I know I'm, I'm trying not to be overcritical. No, I think, I think those are valid criticisms for sure. For sure. I just figured it'll be addressed in the future book since it's a prequel. Right. Um, which yeah. makes, which makes sense. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> so um speaking of her her of phoenix's creation let's talk about something else that um and i'm gonna sound more critical but whatever that's what i do um <laughs> let's talk let's talk about uh seven the flying man who claims to be her father so that was yeah. that was never answered Superman. on on yeah on how on how um you know he fathered her how he yeah how did he father her if he's you know yeah, yeah just th that left a lot of questions for me uh, because he's essentially like a, a archangel right. superman hybrid and 
he he tells her that she you know she's his father that he's her father which it seemed like she wanted to embrace but then kind of was like yeah i'm just gonna be in awe of, of him compared to thinking of him as a father because she kind of tried to reconcile it in her head and then just kind of gave up on it mm. yeah you know I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, he fathered her involuntarily. Like they took, you know, some kind of DNA sample from him um, or some kind of, you know, reproductive some type of material. Yeah, some, some type of science. So 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 the boys again with with Homelander and Soldier Boy. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. And I and I think that's probably how um, it's interesting because they don't really mention much about who her mother is. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Like they, they, well, say, they they mention her near the end. They mention because um, then she goes and you know and visits goes, her. Yeah, she goes to visit her. Um, right. But beforehand, they really don't say much about her at all. Yeah, they kind of they kind of say like, oh yeah, she's um she's from Phoenix, Arizona, and that's why. That's why your name is Phoenix. And she was like, well, that sounds sus, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so interesting how accepting she was at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I totally forgot that she um, that she went to go see her mom at the end. Uh-huh. Um, and I honestly cannot remember that part of the book. I was it, like, it's, it's be- it was, and I didn't get to the end. Well, so unfortunately, it was underwhelming. Um like it, it felt. I hear me. I hear I go being critical. It it felt like to me that Nettie did not initially think about putting that part in and kind of, kind of forced it in. Because um, mm. I think meeting mom could have been good for you know a sequel or follow up. Like um, I don't think meeting mom needed to happen in that story. Um, I would have preferred an answer to who dad is or how dad is dad um, that would then tie into um, meeting mom or understanding why mom, you know, know, went crazy. Because I think the story we got, the story we got was a little too convenient on, you know, mom went crazy because they took the baby away and she just went nuts. It it would, to me, would have made more, you know, it would make more, or that you know, carrying right. her made her nuts. It would have made yeah. more sense to say, so dad's DNA, you know, um, because it's alien boosted, radi- right. you know, radiates something. So the so the child's, you know, the child's part of that made mom go crazy, um, and now we need now she wants to find and see if she can save mom or or or, or something of that nature. I think it could have been a lot more than the little bit we got and been fleshed out more. And I think it would have resonated more. I think it would have, you know, it would have, for a book that was so, um, that's, I mean, it's, it's a black, it's a black woman's story. So a book that's so leaning on, not just that, just not just Phoenix as a black woman, but we've got you know the young girl Sarah in Africa, right? Uh, you know we've got um, you know the women in in the in, in the 
village in Ghana that she's living in. We have Bumi. We have all these different Black women characters. And then to have this American Black woman who just was regulated to just birthing Phoenix, um, meeting her real quick and then dying, just kind right. of felt like I like you you gave so much more to every other woman here. Like, why would you not give? Why would you skimp out on this really influential relationship or exactly. interaction? Yeah. Exactly. Why would you skimp out or just save save it for later to do more with it? Unless you did that on purpose to like to, to like add to Phoenix's pain. You know, there are some authors who do, who do, you know, write that way, who, um, you know, kind of show you instead of tell you, but I feel like there were some things that were like pretty fleshed out and other things that weren't. Um, so I wonder why she chose the things that she chose to kind of glaze over, um, did, did she really need much more pain coop because at, at that time she's already full revolutionary she's already full burn everything down like, yeah what's more pain going to do in her character development i mean it's a steady supply it's napalm from mm -hmm. from from chapter two yep so she's 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 just burning everlasting and because she burns the, the world book. essentially so it's like i mean she she puts a torch to everything she's like you know you know marvel's phoenix like she's she's cleansed pretty much cleanses the entire world she kills most of everything yeah and she kind of like she is the apocalypse <laughs> yeah like she's responsible for you know the the worlds that Suntil and his wife live in right um, Which I, I hate to keep calling her his wife. I just don't remember her name. Not for you know they they didn't make her they really didn't make her important either. Um, especially when she, she is more important in in who fears death. That makes that sense because she's because she's the voice box to um, of the record. They mentioned that they recorded it. Uh, the right. thing. So she's uh, she's the voice box. So that makes sense that she exactly. would be more important there. Um, I I just but yeah in this um, they really don't say oh Usania Usania is her name Usania there you yes. go thank Usenia you <laughs> I knew I would remember but yeah it was but they didn't really there wasn't much emphasis on her and I can understand because there's a future with with her uh, with Sunnyteal and Usania in it that there would only be you know bits and pieces for them um, right. And I, I, you know, honestly, um, I kind of forgot about them until the end. Until like the I, end. For, I forgot that this was pretty much a, a video, you know, recording that Senatia was watching in a cave all this time. Um, that that part, I was like, okay, so there's there's going to be you know something else coming out of this. And uh, but but what I didn't like is at the end is like. They're like, okay, Sunatio wrote all this stuff down and his wife made an audiobook version of it. But, you know, but the truth is they screwed up and they missed things. And I was like, well, what, what's the purpose of saying that? Like, I can learn that as I read further books, like that they, you know, um, you know, that they embellished or they added things or they bastardized it or, or, or what, you know, whatever changes they made to it. But like, 
I didn't understand why the author made a point to be like, you know, they told the story, but they, you know, they really screwed up the story. So I'm like, oh, to me, I was like, well, why do I want to keep reading then if I'm going to be reading about how they screwed up the story? that, That didn't make a lot of sense to me. Can I, I'm sorry to abruptly change the subject, Go right but I, I do agree with you, um, but I would love to hear your thoughts on the robot spiders. Oh, I thought that man. they were such an interesting plot device. Um, I'll let Coop go first on not, this. That also did not end up like having. They didn't, they didn't pay off at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I, they I, kind of they kind of made them this like really, really ominous um thing that was like coming to get them. And like um she sees them like on the shores of America, but doesn't tell um Muo or Saeed or like any of the people who are her companions at that time. Um and like Muo has like this really um heartbreaking story yeah about um how um the big eye and those robot spiders in particular kind of like tear apart his community and his family and leave everything in um in shambles and you know like you see the robot spiders like when when phoenix sees them and you're like oh my god they're real they're coming like and then and then you kind of don't really get that like moment where it's like the robot spiders are here (laughs) right yeah i I think i think i think with the robot spiders i think the reason why we don't get the payoff from them is because you kind of think oh well maybe the robot spiders is going to be what causes the destruction of the world but in reality the real robot spider is phoenix (laughs) fair but i i I think that maybe that could have been executed in in a better way. Like, I guess, um, see, now I'm, I'm thinking differently about, about everything. Um, and I, I still really, really love the book and would 100% recommend it to anybody who would like to read it. Um, but the there are a lot of, you know, um, loose ends and um and dead ends and um things like that in the story and I think the robot spiders are one of them because they kind of build them up to be like this gigantic thing like Muo doesn't even tell Phoenix about the robot spiders until like she's like dead and may not come back and he doesn't know that she that she can hear him Mm um and and she like he he tells her um you know she always asks you know like how did you end up in tower seven how did you end up in tower seven he's like i can't tell you i won't tell you not gonna tell you and it's like this big build up to his origin story and then he tells her and you know like the villain in this origin story excuse me is is these robot spiders and you know he kind of is like if they ever you know like wherever they go they they bring destruction and then they show up but there's like like the only destruction is phoenix <laughs> <laughs> i 
I mean, not the only destruction, but like the primary destruction is is Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. that, I um when when they describe them, I just even though they are described as bigger, my mind immediately went to the robot spiders from um from Minority Report. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's just I just immediately went there. Um but obviously their description was a lot bigger and obviously a lot more deadly, a lot more dangerous. So I was like, right. I was imagining those just on a larger scale. Um, right. And just like, you know, with like shockers that were just going to totally fry people. Um, so I was expecting, to me, to, to me, Dimension, if you're going to describe how deadly and dangerous these things are, and I don't even get like a battle that right. just with that the just, robot spiders. Yeah, like I'm 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 looking forward to this because because again, this is a sci-fi fantastical world here. So I've got um you know, I've got I've got an alien seed, I've got a a man who can walk through walls, I've got a guy who can't die really, um, in Saeed. I've got uh a, a you know Superman slash angel man. And now I've got robot <laughs> spiders. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have, uh, you know, pretty much a superhuman versus robot battle, at least, Showdown, if not a yeah. full out uh-huh. war. And now I got, I got none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't get Phoenix going over a field of robots, you know, um, engaging and just melting them. I didn't get... Seven swooping down, picking two up, one up in each hand and smashing them together and dropping them. I didn't get um, Muo laughing at them as they try to kill him and they're just passing through him. And then he like, you know, is a shadow cat type thing and, you know, tears one's, you know, brain out. Um, like, I, I, I don't get, you know, one killing Saeed and then he, he gets back up because he can't stay dead and then it kills him again and he's like, I can't say dead. Like, I don't get yeah. any of that. Uh, and that was just really disappointing. Um, well, especially when like the, you need to write some fan fiction. Clearly, um, because like. Because this is, it, this is very descriptive and I would love to read your take on right? this. Because that's where my, that's because when she talks about showdown. them crossing the shore, <laughs> that is where my mind went. I'm like, okay, battle is going to happen things yeah, are about I definitely to go thought, down like i definitely thought a battle was coming was, was it's coming, about coming. to go down <laughs> it, it, it told me like the I was, like, I was like hey all right the big guy really is they're desperate now they're pulling out all stops and we are going to get a you know this a major you know battle and to me um the robot spires to me were probably um the past so like the big guy probably has started off with robots and figured out that um, that organic organisms manipulated were going to be better uh, weapons than than robotics were. So uh, I was looking to so I think they were probably just used as, as a backup or a failsafe. So I was like, okay, we're going to get what was discarded versus what was chosen, and of course, what was chosen rebelled. And now what was discarded is there. So you you have that. Um, and even though it's a bit of a trope, you you have that 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 classic confrontation there. And I was like, all right. And so I keep reading this book and keep reading. And I'm like, okay, where's the robot battle going to happen? And then I, by the time I realize it, the book is over. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
she she apparently she must have melted them all and we just didn't get to see it um and then that that system was a huge letdown to set the table so well for that and then to just you know you said it's like you said it's like um you set the table full of um you know steak and 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 potatoes and uh and and corn on the cob and um and there's a big pitcher of Kool-Aid and there's all this deliciousness, but you tell me all like I all I can eat is peas. Like, bruh, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, just just to set the table like that with no payoff was just yeah. I guess I definitely I need to, agree. I just guess I need to write the fan fiction to uh <laughs> to appease <laughs> my 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 robot superhuman battle nerdness. I'd that, uh, read it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we definitely need a man. robot a robot spider battle. Um so let's talk um just one of the last things I want to talk I want to talk about. And Coop, don't be afraid to to ask us what you know what you what any questions or thoughts you want us to share. Um the romantic angles um of this story, um obviously between Phoenix and Saeed and Phoenix and Kofi. Um how did you all feel about the the romance portion. I thought it was I thought it was um very interesting again because of the way that they that she um that she describes the romance mm-hmm. like with the, like with um with Saeed it was more like a um I guess for lack of a better word a grade school crush so to speak mm-hmm. whereas with Kofi it was more like, uh, oh, this is the full blown thing here <laughs> going on right there. This is the full romance that that a more mature person would be able to experience. Right. Um, so I thought that was very interesting to see the progression um, in her romantic life, um, and of course, um, it all it all goes bad. <laughs> like no understatement of the century, <laughs> like. <laughs> goes bad is like yeah so i i really thought that her relationship with saeed in the beginning of the book like you said um roosevelt was so adorable (laughs) like um like when she describes their first kiss Mm -hmm. um and you know how they're kind of like holding hands under the table and giggling and, yes you know like catch stealing kisses like while like the guards aren't watching um I thought that that was super sweet and adorable and also you know like very much like a crush that a very young child would have like a uh, or a flirtation that a very young child would have um and then I think I think there is a um, um, there is a moment when in her relationship with Kofi, where um, she is there and she's like you know trying she's like lighting up, and they don't really say anything to each other and he kind of just like undresses her and um, you know takes her in as as herself as fully herself Mm -hmm. um 
And I cannot remember in the book if this was the first time that he realized what she was. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was such an interesting, um, an interesting juxtaposition, like as, as a more mature relationship, like he was seeing her for all that she was and, you know, like taking her in and like that kind of like really intimate love. And I don't think her relationship with Saeed was intimate in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think they had a lot of um, uh, trauma bonds, for lack of a better word. Um, and like their interaction was kind of um, was based through like proximity because you know like he was there she was there they were both dealing with you know being lab rats in this medical facility or scientific facility um but it's interesting to me that um she presents like a 40 year old woman but like Saeed is also an older man and he knows that she is mentally like very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so it like that that layer of that interaction is interesting to me. Like I always like when I was reading the book, I I felt more compelled by her relationship with Kofi than her relationship with Saeed. I actually was, and I guess you know you don't really see that much of it before he kind of um, dies. <laughs> Um, or kills himself I can't I can't remember exactly how that like how they um, how Kofi like is. the conclusion was that no Saeed because um, oh, he takes her apple and he eats it right but he doesn't die well um, he until he, he took the apple he never ate it like he, he never he ate it yeah he pretended to eat it um, okay it, it's that their relationship was really weird to me because I was like, I was not feeling that because I was like, this is a grown man who knows that yeah. this is a two-year-old in a woman's body. And, you know, he's playing, you know, kissy face and holding hands. And I'm like, you know that she doesn't have, especially when she had the awareness of a of a child, like her her mental age, physical age was two, you know, presenting 40 but two years of awareness that was probably advanced enough because of the reading and intelligence that she had gained by reading and such and living her particular life. She was probably seven, maybe. Yeah. I would say like seven or still not mature enough. But that's still not mature. Carry on with a grown man. Exactly. When he had, it's not like he had the same background. It's not like he was of the same mental age. This right. is a man who had lived a, lived a whole life, grown life. So it's like, yeah, that that to me was weird and not okay. Um, her relationship with Kofi made sense to me because he did not know how old she was, and she presented as a grown woman, and she behaved as a as an adult. So he knew he knew nothing different um, right. from her. She so, matured. She had, yeah, she had point. matured so significantly by that. And she had spent, you know, a good six months 
um, you know, living there and such. It seemed like before they really even before they even really did anything romantic, um, they were just you know they were very friendly friends, but there was you know he had no indication that she was really only like you know three years old at that point, where right. Saeed had full knowledge um, of that and essentially took advantage after when they reunited of a child's you know lifelong crush even though because she maintained that through her maturity she still you know by the time they get back together that she's still like three or four years old right even though her i think i think maturity wise she's she's definitely older um but you know her actual like physical age um is probably not more than four right but she Um, but to me her she's she seemed to retreat maturity wise after kofi when she got back and that well when it came to dealing with saeed she kind of uh, went back to being this schoolgirl giggly feelings around him and then when they were talk about something serious, she would like switch into a more serious mode. But, right. You know, but she definitely seemed to. But their to, interaction was the, that right. same feel. Exactly. Yeah, but some, some guys bring that out of you for women. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they just got that, that make you feel like a, like you a little girl again. <laughs> they just have that swag. <laughs> Well, I can't speak to that, but, (laughs) um, but the thing, but yeah, to me, that was just, that, that just, that that was creepy vibes for me. Like, um, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I I didn't, I didn't interpret it like that. Like Saeed was like trying to take advantage of her or anything like that. I just felt that they just, I just felt that they just had a connection based upon shared trauma true i mean and that, but he that but he be... but he's the one who initiated the physicality and to me that that's just when when you when you have the knowledge if if he didn't know how old she was you know that had been one thing but like he had full knowledge because he had been there at the tower before she was created before she was made so he had full knowledge of her entire existence um you know watching her as you know throughout the acceleration process like so it's like there's there's no you know there's no excuse for um going physical you can you can have a connection um with someone over shared trauma you can have a denzel washington dakota fanning and man and man on fire connection between a grown man and, and a and a girl a young girl um of that age or that maturity that's a great connection and great bond without having to make it physical. And I, that, that, so that, that just, you know, I don't know. That's just me. Maybe it's because maybe I'm overprotective because I'm a man with four daughters, but um, like that was just, that, that just gave me, you know, creeper vibes. I, I was never really digging Saeed just because of, I felt it was, uh, I just felt it was unhealthy. It was not, it was not cool. Yeah, honestly, um, I didn't really feel that way until the second time I was reading it. Um, and like knowing, you know, what I knew about her um, 
and like really examining that context of her being mentally too. Um, even though she has, you know, like read so many things and and has so much like book smarts, she knows really nothing of the world um, outside of Tower Seven. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, like nothing that she has actually experienced so you know it's it's very interesting that I agree that he um that he initiates the the their physicality because um like the first time I read it I was like oh that's so cute and the second time I read it I was like um that might be problematic but like (laughs) it's it's still like the way that she intended it to come off is still cute you know like maybe perhaps if he like you said Matt if he had a similar um a similar life trajectory Mm -hmm. um it would have been cuter um and not uh quite so concerning right um but um and I I definitely preferred Kofi like and I was I felt like we were robbed and she yeah, was robbed we were, yeah, we were of, all robbed. Of, of more time with him um, because I thought I thought that that connection their connection was so special yeah, um, it was it was organic um, it grew from mutual appreciation of each other um, just time and exposure to each other compared to what she had in tower with Saeed um, it was it was organic, which is why it it felt it felt good, um, and why their their intimate moment um, felt special. And it was earned too, because remember he wasn't the only one that was trying to trying to wipe her up. It was right. She she had many well. assistants. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> she had many a gentleman caller. Absolutely. <laughs> And then he found out she got wang. <laughs> <laughs> she got wangs. And also, like, she might be a bomb. <laughs> right. She's not just the bomb. She might be a literal <laughs> a bomb. <laughs> but yeah, after he died, I mean, I can understand destroying the world. I think that was justified at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like, you know, he died and she was like, yeah, nah. I tried. To, I wasn't bothering nobody. I was sitting here minding my business, my own business, trying to create, you know, a life for myself. And here y'all come, just messing everything up. So I feel like that moment was like, I ain't getting no sleep because of y'all. Y'all, not y'all ain't gonna no sleep because of, of me. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best season of Bad Girls Club, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Definitely the most iconic for sure. Yeah, that was, and then she got pissed, and then she just went pop off, pop off, pop, pop, mm-hmm. pop off. Exactly. She wanted all <laughs> Phoenix wanted all the smoke, all, all the, smoke. the smoke. She was like, "Let's burn it down to the ground." Every one of them. She was like, "Not even just like um, the big guy." She was like, "All of them, like oh. the people who own the corporations." Because I guess you know they had amassed so much power and influence and and technology that they were able to make themselves essentially immortal well because they drink her her blood right right 
so um she was just like yeah nah I'm not make I'm not gonna be the person who makes you immortal I'm not gonna be the person who causes you like if, if I had anything to do with that let's rectify that real quick <laughs> real quick well, so, that, so that's another that's another thing I, I would love to see I would love to find out if it gets answered is that um was she was she able to kill them um and if she wasn't are they the only people that survived her going ham on the planet and some of them had at least some of them had to be female to be able to reproduce to right. to repopulate because she she was not playing when she went around the earth and just started making it hot i really really very much recommend that you read who fears to <laughs> So you're saying that I'm going to get that, some questions answered there. I think that needs to I be. I think our you're going to get some questions answered. I'm not sure if you'll get all of the questions that you have answered, but a lot of them will be answered, or at the very least, contextualized for you. Contextualization, I can, I can take, I can deal with that. Okay, I can live with that. And it's a pretty um, short read; like it's not very long. Okay. Well, then I think you're right, Coop. Then I think we just need to follow up this with. Uh, What's that? Oh yeah, I like that idea. Because <laughs> we really hadn't um, decided what we were going to read next yet, so uh, since there are so many questions that I need answered, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure Coop wants some of these answers yeah, too. I absolutely, want some answers. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, so that will be that will be the next book that we read. Um, Dope. In closing, then, um, what was I gonna? Oh, we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Africa, though, particularly when the before we close. No, that, I, that's exactly where I was going. So you, when, you go when ahead. The big guys come and they, um, and they, they, they go to the village and they start turning the girls out. What do you oh think my about goodness! That? Yeah, that, I cannot I was, believe that, we didn't talk about that. That's exactly oh what God. I was. That's exactly what I was gonna bring up. Um, was what what went down in Ghana? Um, oh yeah, my that, god! That that was what's still happening right now. Like hmm. yeah, in real life. Yeah. My God. Who? Um... It, it, it's it's so <laughs> the it's it's man it's a lot. There it's not uh, it's not layered either. They went so they yeah, they went full into. Uh, what really, you know, like you said, real life and, you know, real life girls who uh, make those choices to let people take advantage of them and um, against, against the behest was... of their of their parents and um, or women who are who, who, you know, are submitted to it because there's, you know, they feel there's no other choice. Right. Uh, you know, there's there's so many different layers um, of reasoning why, and then there's the ones who unfortunately are subjected to it just by force. Um, yeah, just, I mean, um, I cannot remember her name, but um, the the woman or the girl who ends up exposing um, Phoenix in the end, or the 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 woman girl who Phoenix exposes herself to protect. Sarah. Um, yeah. 
um, she uh, kind of like it's it's this weird um, like mixture of like it's almost like she's like it feels like she's um, an addict mm. if that makes sense like you know she stops for a little bit and then she goes back to it mm. um, and I mean it's like somebody offering you water in the desert like these people are not wealthy um, you know like they, they live very simple lives and then here comes these people who are like hey we'll give you some money we'll give you nice things you know like we'll give you the closest thing that you can get to all of the things that you see in media and on tv and um and i and i think that that is very attractive you know especially if you're young which so many of these girls are right um and i think we can't talk about saeed taking advantage of of phoenix without talking about you know like Mm. these grown men taking advantage of talk about it of Mm. these young women like they're 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 in no position to make decisions you know like that i mean like i i'm not i don't remember if they mentioned sarah's age uh she Um, was i remember she was like six 16 i remember there's something around there they said around her right so she's she's pretty young yeah um and i mean these guys are you know not spring chickens like they're grown oh, men oh, they're, they're grown men they're 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 definitely grown men um and like as like i i definitely had to take a pause um like in reading in reading those chapters because they were like very like they were very jarring and uh, <laughs> i feel like they needed a trigger warning right <laughs> um yeah, um, but they were they were very jarring, and I cannot believe that I was about to be like, "Okay, good night, guys." Without yeah, like, no, nope, we we'll talk about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think me or Cooper is gonna let that let that slide. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that it was it. Y- yep. Yeah, very very serious, very very jarring, very sobering too i think um particularly because of the real life implications that it has mm-hmm. and i mean not even implications just like direct parallels um like right now there are um you know countries in africa where people are are so desperate you know that and i mean i'm not even talking about teenagers i'm talking about like children like under 10 um you know children are being sold to european men and women who come from you know their countries to quote unquote vacation Mm -hmm. um and they go to these countries specifically because they know that it is a safe place to procure young children for sexual amusement and this is something that has been happening for a very long time and it it is continuing to happen and like it's it's something that i don't think that it gets enough attention and play right um 
I don't understand how that is legal. Like I, 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 I don't understand how, how there's no, like, I feel like, like this is what the United Nations should be covering. Right. Absolutely. Like, I mean, like, yes, let's talk about Israel and Palestine, but also like, let's talk about these children that are being prostituted by their, their guardians. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about these European people who are deliberately going and seeking out, you know, the company illicit relations with, with babies. Like, let's talk about that. Like, this is, this is why we have a United Nations to, to Mm -hmm. deal with that kind of, um, that kind of like, and I mean, it's from, it's people from, so many different places and i mean it's been covered in 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 the new york times and the washington post you know like it's not like people aren't talking about it it's just i don't know it's not a priority yeah people it's people are like oh yeah that just that happens there and then you know right no like no that, one, oh, no one wants thing. how sad right huh. but no one wants to do anything about it it's like how, how do you not want not want to do something about this. I agree. Like it's, um, it's, so it's, I it's thought that that was a very, I thought that that was a very powerful um, uh, story, um, story within the story. Um, well, because Phoenix, I can only Phoenix imagine. did something about it. <laughs> she did. Honestly, well, and, and, and you know what? That and my thing was with that is. Um, kind of what we were just saying like no one's doing anything about it initially she really didn't she wasn't doing anything about it herself That's she true. was she was letting it go until it got to the point where you know it you know she was broken by what she was what she saw and someone she you know she especially cared about um you know was being was being victimized until then then to get to the point where she's like okay i just I can't sit around and do nothing any longer. And then finally did something about it. And that is true. That, that's something that's that's really what, and I'm I'm just gonna take some you know liberty and say I think that maybe just what the author is trying to say is like this is going on and we've got to get to a point where we're not letting this just happen this this go on anymore. We've got to we've got to start doing something about this. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because it really shouldn't take till we're personally invested to to do something about any type, any level of injustice. But more, far too often than not, that's exactly what it takes. Right. Which is unfortunate, and you know, for us, especially as as, as Christians, um, you know, we should be the first to to be you know championing uh, the causes of those who are being oppressed and, and, and abused and mistreated. Facts. That's right, y'all. We made sure we sprinkled some Jesus in this. We do. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be we wouldn't be a uh, for Christ for the culture podcast without a little bit of Jesus up in here. All right. Last listen. Call. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a little bit. At least a little bit. Just yeah, (laughs) gotta have at least a little bit. Just just at least a little bit, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, I think a good way to end is um, is 
in the, uh, some of the last words that she said, and I am paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the sentiment. Um, and I'm trying to find it in my Kindle because I know I highlighted it. Um, but they kind of say, um, oh man, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it because I, the, the exact quote is like, just so good. Okay. Um, Oh, one of the things that she said is, um, we are so colonized that we build our own shackles. And I thought that that was such an interesting, like when, when I'm thinking about um, uh, Bumi mm -hmm. or I'm thinking about um, uh, Sarah or you know, any number of the, the characters, um, even the, um, uh, even Phoenix, even Phoenix herself, um, she was kind of so willing to, um, I guess, you know, she was so willing to, um, to burn it all down that she allowed that vengeful, you know, thing to consume her. And Bumi was, you know, so focused on, you know, um, moving past um, the glass ceiling that had been afforded her, um, you know, as a black woman um, in America, as a foreign black woman in America, um, that she kind of, you know, created shackles of her own. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Sarah's shackles are, are the aforementioned ones. I won't get too deep into that, but like, um, and I think, um, you know, on one hand, I feel like there, there's a sentiment at the end of the book where you're like, the only way like part of me felt like the only way to solve these problems that we have, because these these are very real problems that are being discussed in the book, even though it's in a fantasy sci-fi um, kind of context. Right. Um, the the concepts are real and mm -hmm. um, are happening. Um, the only way to fix the system is to destroy it. And then the other half of me is like, but one, what does it take to destroy the system? What will be left after the system is destroyed? Mm -hmm. And who will I be after, you know, participating in that? Like, what kind of, what does that do to one's soul? Right. Um. And I, I don't know if I liked who Phoenix was at the end of the book. Like I was rooting for her for sure. But I don't know if I was like, yeah, this is a person I would want to be friends with. Or, you know, do you, does that make sense? Am I, am I, no, it makes, it makes, that makes perfect, perfect sense. sense. Perfect sense. Absolutely. Because I mean, as we said multiple times, she burns everything. Everything. So when, so when she does that, 
she's burning the innocent along with the wicked and right you know the oppressed along with the oppressor. yeah the oppressed along with the oppressor so it's like well what are you really doing the right thing in in this aspect when you're just go, when you're just because you're upset you're just going to go ham and just everybody gets it like how is that how is that right it's fun to read but it ain't right <laughs> yeah it's definitely not definitely not okay and then like you know i guess you get a a a glimpse in this story at least of you know how the people live years after the apocalypse that she kind of sets off Mm -hmm. um and it's not really um a super fulfilling life it seems um, or and, and you know I don't know if I have the right to say that you know to look down on their on their simple way of life but you know like I mean the fact that like they are they live in fear of these storms and um, you know it's kind of a very contained um, very small existence um, and. I, I won't go into too much, but I mean, it, it, it changes a little bit in, in Who Fears Death, but um, uh, like, what did she leave in her wake? Was it better? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for, it definitely seemed like, you know, whatever, whatever the culture became uh, was very nomadic, very... Um, and very individualistic because even though Senatil and Husseinia are married, they spend tons of time separate. Um, and right. they're used to him going off on these excursions and you know being gone for months at a time. So it's it's a it's a very um, segmented future that we're that we're talking about here. Um, just what we would take uh, for granted as far as human bonds uh, relationships are, are dynamically different. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, that's not to say that their relationship can't be, you know, intimate still as, as I think she does a good job of, um, of communicating their connection yeah, she, um, she does. Yeah, the author does. Um, but it, what I'm saying is it's that it's not that they don't have connection, but that it's just it's it's drastically so, different, it's so from, different what from what was previously depicted, you know, in the story. I agree. Um, and on that note, y'all should read Who Fears Death. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we are going to read, folks. If you haven't heard the eight mentions from Leisha that you should read <laughs> Who Fears Death, we are going to read Who Fears Death. That will be the next book that we covered here at the For Christ for the Culture Book Club podcast. I want to thank my panel, Alicia Bagley and Roosevelt Cooper. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it is, you know, it's past one o'clock in the morning here, Eastern time that we're recording. So um, their time is precious. Their sleep is precious. So I want to thank them for their time uh, in coming and joining me tonight. It was really great discussing this book with you guys. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Yes. Thank you for having me. This was a great selection for a book.
And I definitely cannot wait to read the next one. Absolutely. I am looking forward to the next book. So if you want to um, be a part of the Florida Christ for the Culture Book Club, one, you are always free to, to read the books. You don't have to come on the podcast and talk about it. Um, but if you're open to doing so, we would love to have you. But we would love to have more people joining us in reading the book and adding to the discussion, um, whether it is on, you know, in, on Facebook within the group um, or however you want to uh, join in on the conversation. So I am your host, Matt Williams, and I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless.